Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Bouncer Smith came in with a question right off the bat. All right. A good question. That's good. So, all right. So we're going to, we're going to, are we, are we rolling here? We're, we're going to just crank off a question from Bouncer Smith to start out. And he says, what speed is most consistently productive for, for what species of fish? For what species of fish? Let me ask him. For which fish species? See what he says. So last week we had um, Mike Sheeter on uh, the show. Yep. And I was thinking about you a lot because he got into talking about Hawaiian lures. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty cool because Carl was here with him. And, um, you know, he started getting into how the way the Hawaiians fished their lures really set them apart and how he kind of brought that to Guatemala. Um, and then because they're mainly the people there by the, when Chris, um, got there was fishing, um, mold crafts and, you know, stuff like that for the most part. And then they really brought the Hawaiian lures to the scene there. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. And I was, I I couldn't help but think about you and and wanted to kind of ask you, like, oh man, I want to get Andy in here to talk to him about that because, um, it seems pretty cool to think that, um, you know, you get lures from all over the world, fish different ways for different reasons. Um, but it's interesting when they cross over into different, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, they can be used in so many different ways, you know. It's a, yeah. It's a, I mean, Guatemala fishing is mostly teaser fishing if they're using a lure. Mm-hmm. But since it's a mostly calm water fishery, I'm sure a lot of that. Yeah. That transferred from fishing in Hawaii to. Uh, and not, not all of Hawaii's calm, you know, the big island in the Kona, it's calm, but a lot of those islands, it's rough. So you see a, a, a difference between lure makers in different islands, whereas right. most of the guys in Kona can get away with really radical slant face lures because it's calm. Whereas you go to say Oahu, most of their stuff is heavy because it's rough. Right. So you see a, a quite a change amongst the islands as far as like where they're from fishing. island to island. Absolutely. Because really? some guys are fishing in the rough water and um you'll see those lures like like Futa and guys like that from Oahu, mm-hmm. their lures are very heavy to stay in the water in the rough. And then Kona they can get away with like as light as possible because it's flat calm every day. Okay. Yeah. And oh, so that's cool. but like Guatemala is very calm most of the year. So a lot of that probably transferred for Mike and his brother to to do that there. Yeah, and they, yeah. they said once they brought that in, people were looking at them like mm-hmm. they were gods. Like, oh my God, what are you guys doing? And well, you can make eventually the secret got out. The lure can look so much better. Yeah. Instead of just having this flat face lure out there, where you can have something that's really 
pushing hard in calm water and looks so much bigger and better. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it made a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they brought a lot of knowledge there, like the toothpick thing and, and all yeah. that. <laughs> so they talked about that. And then Carl started talking that's, about that. That's and, a, and Mike that's was a, like, shh. That's kind of a thing of the past, but <laughs> yeah. I, I always say toothpicks are for getting food out of your teeth. But yeah. Um, for the longest time, I mean, that they peg their lure. A lot of guys still do it that way. They peg their lure, they peg the position of their hook with toothpicks. Yep. And uh, whatever works. Yeah, you know, for sure. Just the way well, if it, it stops spinning, it stops spinning, right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. That's all it is, just to keep everything straight and running the right way. Yeah. Well, what happened, too, with a lot of the older Hawaiian lures is they weren't so perfect. So, like, one might pull to the right. Okay. And those guys could tweak their hook and then peg it. Right. And that would correct it and bring it back into position more. Yeah. So, it was like a keel on a boat where you could you could just kind of get it to, to angle back in a little bit and run the right way. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you know they weren't. So when you're designing them, I mean, you you have all that in mind. Like you're, yeah. I'm gonna design for this. Uh, There's so many for this island and so many for that. Yeah, I mean, most of the stuff that that I make, the things that I make now are so precise mm-hmm. versus the older or the handmade Hawaiian stuff, where no two were alike, and, right. and still a lot of those lures, no two are alike because they're sanded and. They're right. They like surfboard. Like not surfboard. paying attention to detail. Um, yeah. Not using precision molds. Uh, there's really no comparison. But you know, if you lose one of my lures, you can actually go buy another one. And it's going to run the same. That's oh, okay. that's the advantage because everyone is the same almost to the gram. And Question. Yes. Yes. So going back to like the cannons and Kona, like 35 years ago, and yeah. the tenure there, like, is that what? shaped your mind on what you're building nowadays so i was actually making lures before i worked at cannon konas um and gene cannon basically was a guy from here boat captain and he copied some of the hawaiian lures and made them here because there was really nobody doing that here right um his stuff was a little rough but he had a niche market and he did pretty well with it um, I learned, I think I learned what not to make mm-hmm. from a lot of that. I mean, that's, that's to be part a little, of the process, to be like more learning precise. what not to do too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I was always like a perfectionist, you know, so I always wanted to have things that, that ran great, mm-hmm. things that did what I wanted them to do. Yeah. And, um, we've achieved that now. It's taken a long time, but we've achieved that now. I don't think there's anybody, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but I don't think there's anybody that makes the quality and consistency that we do. Yeah. I just don't see it. I've I've bought every one of my competitors' lures, and I've looked at them, and I can find faults with almost every one of them. So. Well, Bart's only had faults since it went production. That's right. He didn't have many prior to that, correct? So when he was when he was hand making lures, um, they were nice. I mean, they were. He was a fisherman, and he designed what worked. Uh, so they were great, but he couldn't keep up. And mm-hmm. then when it when they went to a higher production, um, they they cut some corners, and they're, they're I think the quality has gone downhill a little bit. Yeah, they rust you know, out a little bit around the eyes. And there's such. a stainless production will do that stainless in steel any, insert, yeah. which gets water through the center tube, mm-hmm. which causes the insert to rust, which is not a good thing mm-hmm. over time. But I'm not knocking anybody. I just no, it is what I, it is. I, anytime, I anytime you you up production or, or yeah. mass production or assembly yeah. line your your items, and so you, you can't ever beat handcrafted quality. We really can't. We're trying to make the quantity and still keep the quality and it's hard but you just have to stay on top of the quality control the um that's a really good way to start this house so listen officially welcome you to the connected by water podcast um powered by joey cardi chrysler dodge jeep ram and fuel by our very good friends at pops pilar rum remind you to be a spectator once again welcome andy for Thank the you. for the 15 millionth time again. on the show um so it's always really amazing having you on and in and just hanging out with you um you know it, it, it's just cool it was nice that you showed up like way early so we actually get some time to actually really hang out this time i'm always early yeah so and then um and carlene carlene's here is back in the saddle you like the new side or like where we're at like yeah yeah 
We do too. So, and uh, welcome back, guys. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. All that stuff is behind us. So we're getting into the new year, and um, and it's nice to start that off with Andy. We had our our last episode of the year. We ended it with Mike Sheeter, starting it off with Andy Moyes. I think that's a pretty good turn on the year, right there. Is this the first one of the of the new year? This is the first. Yeah, this is yeah. This is the first episode of the year. Yeah, and this is what episode like party one forty five. So. Yeah, we all made it. We all made it. <laughs> no more Y2K. Y2K didn't get us this year. Another year. It's been a while, right? We've been waiting for that still to happen. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So this is. I like the vibe today. Like, I mean, everyone came early, and we were all just hanging out. You know what I mean? Nobody and knew what they were going to talk about. Nobody knew. We still don't know. No. Right. But that's it. But well, you that know. question was from Tommy Ackle. Just so you know. Okay. He went all right. Blue water I got chairs. it. Okay. He's so we're, we're going to try to field some questions today um, for Andy because I think that's a really good way. Um, you, you have, obviously, an extensive amount of experience and knowledge in so many things, hunting, fishing, lure making, and you know, among it all. Um, but And I want to kind of have some other people pick your brain if they can. Yeah, and then, um, Yeah. So uh, I actually texted Dave Farrell. Uh, just before the show started, and we love Dave, and he says, is there one lure in the world that you wish was never invented? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Dave's, Dave's always good for I know, I know where he's going with that. <laughs> I can't say I, I wish it was never invented, but if I had to pick one that was never invented, I would say the cowbell. But I know where he's going with it. So there, Moldcraft makes the wide range, which has been around forever. Mm-hmm. And I always said, it's the lure we love to hate. Okay. Because it works so good, but I've missed a lot of fish on it. You've missed a lot of fish. Well, yeah. And yeah. I like Tiny and I would always say, it's the lure we love to hate. Like you, mm-hmm. you want to have it out all the time because it works so good. But then I've missed fish on it because of the way it rolls around in the water and really has no center, no bottom to it. Right. So you don't really know where your hook is most of the time. But it works very well. And it's a staple. I mean, most, I would say if there's one lure that everybody in the world uses, it's a Moldcraft wide range. Okay. Yeah. Even in Hawaii. The, um, yeah, Dave's funny. Dave, Dave, I remember one time I brought Dave in on the podcast. (laughs) It was actually the first time Dave was on the show. And he drove in from, because he lives in Orlando, Mm -hmm. but he records the show with Rick and, and, down here right and he comes in and we went for like two hours right i'm like all right dave we're gonna wrap it up and he's like well i ain't got nowhere else i need to be like <laughs> <laughs> podcast over dave sorry man is that why you have the couch? What you say to my brother yeah. carl all the time too don't you uh, the what the podcast is over carl yeah yeah podcast you is over can go carl. home now yeah. yeah love you bro charter's over time to leave <laughs> so you just got back from hawaii yeah all right where'd you stay I was at a friend of mine's house there on the Big Island. Oh, Big Island. Yeah. Yeah. Fish? No, I never went fishing you one time. You never went fishing? No. Nope. I had friends that were fishing every day. The fishing was great. You rolled around in the um, bubbles. I just, uh, well, I went hunting. Okay. A few days. Went pig hunting. Went wild sheep hunting. Yeah. Um, Doesn't uh, Shane Dorian do a lot of hunting? He does, there? and he lives there. He lives yeah. on the Big Island. Yeah. Shane's actually friends with. A lot of my friends. Okay. And uh, he's a big bow hunter, for sure. Yeah, I always see him yeah. posting all that up. Yeah. Yeah, he's definitely a big island guy and contributes a lot to the the local kids and mm-hmm. has surf camps now and teaches kids how to surf and become yeah, his better. His son is a ripper. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he has no choice. Yeah. <laughs> but Shane is in amazing shape. Like, everyone that I know, they say he's he's got a motor that nobody else has the guy takes really good care of himself and yeah yeah it's a, yeah i've heard that about him too the he guy just i was stop. hunting with said that he hiked this whole mountain trail from i think from i'm not don't quote me on this but i think from mauna kea okay to mauna loa between the two volcanoes and like almost killed himself really yeah like he was there for a while and uh shot a sheep and you know these are just stories that i'm hearing from a friend Mm -hmm. of mine but yeah you know and everyone said hey don't be afraid to call for help if you need help because it's 
it's not an easy feat to do that but guys in super good shape and yeah. love, loves to hunt and you know, of course surf but how much how much like do you focus on like keeping yourself in shape for hunting try to i mean because you got like especially when you're going for elk like you do like in, in the bigger anything in the, the bigger species yeah you, you got to really like stay in shape because coming from sea level and going to altitude is mm -hmm. tough number one um we weren't super high when we were sheep hunting in hawaii but uh, i would have been i would have been super high the, fir <laughs> the first day come here sheep <laughs> we were super high after yo we sheep hunted. where you at um, i got something for you but i walked i walked 10 miles the first day and burned 1200 calories oh wow so i mean you're and that's not even exerting yourself that's just walking that's just walking yeah, yeah. so imagine going you know, at an incline at altitude, right. really working for it, getting your heart rate up, you would probably burn more than you ate in a day. Yeah. For sure. So you'd be exhausted. Wow. So mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier, um, where you mentioned earlier, actually, but what I thought was we were talking about with the lures and um, saying like no one lures the same and everything. Mm -hmm. but, and how you got it to the point where you're down to the gram and getting them to be the same. And I couldn't help but think about like surfboard shapers and like the great shapers, like the Al Merricks and, yep. you know, and, and guys like that, that my brother would shape surfboards when he was, when we were kids. And, um, and he eventually, he went a different path and focused more on golf and everything after a while. But, um, you would always say, it's like, man, you really got to shape like a thousand boards before like one is like acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, and imagine, imagine somebody like when he was shaping boards for Kelly Slater. Mm -hmm. Imagine him having to make four or five of the same board. Yeah, it's and, very tough. And getting man. them to be close enough to where he would never know the difference. Yeah, when he's riding, it's hard. Yeah, and that, a guy like Kelly would know the difference. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's why a lot of it went to CNC mm -hmm. machining. You know, to the, so they could get the precision. Right. Everything was the same. And that's so much of that has come so far. Oh yeah. 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 So how does that like can you equate that with like lure making? I mean give you some examples. Sure, like, because uh when we make I'm not asking to throw anyone under the bus or anything. No, but, well when we make our originals mm -hmm. and we make our mold off of that original, everything we make is the same. So all of our insert keel weights mm -hmm. are within a gram. When we pour the resin where everything gets cut, we're within a gram, two grams. Um, so there's really no difference between two lures. Right. In in that range of whatever they are, whatever shape it is. The mad lure scientist. It is like it's like mad scientist. It is. You know, because before guys would just build something or build twenty of something. Yeah. And then if you put it on a lathe and start sanding material away based on how good your mold is, if your mold's very clean, mm -hmm. you won't have to take much material. But if you've been using the same molds for years and years and years, and you're getting these imperfections that are on the outside, now you have to sand to get past that and then polish. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you put micrometer or caliper on any of those, say five of that same lure, no two are the same. So now you're, you're, decreasing diameter versus one that might be a little bigger and the size of the face is different than the other, mm -hmm. you know, so the, no two are the same. Yeah. Once you take away, you can't put back. Whereas we're not doing that. Right. We're not doing that sanding process. Mm -hmm. So everything comes out the same. Nice. Yeah, it is. It's more work and it's more money, but it comes out better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, um, you had a pretty good season up there in Canada this year. Always. That place never never lets down I, mean, I know i keep a, saying this like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go you need but, to go but, but this is the year in september that yeah I'm september gonna, october i'm just gonna pack a backpack jump on a flight and then i'm gonna hermit do it up there with you do it you know, yeah be a bum. it's in an experience framed cottage <laughs> it's a uh it's a special place for sure and tiny went with you no Mm -mm. Oh, Tiny did. He fished. Yeah, he, he went did, up there. He did fish. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He was there for right uh, before the hurricane. You had some adventures up there this year, didn't four you? Four days. Yeah. So I. Right, so take me through that whole trip. Crazy. I was gonna save some money, 
and rent a truck instead of driving my own. Mm-hmm. So I rented a truck, and about 30 minutes from town, I got into a little thunderstorm, mm-hmm. and I hydroplaned off the highway. Oh, my God, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> 360 into the oh, median that's right. ditch. I totally forgot about that. Smashed the bumper. That was it. And uh, got the truck fixed anyway. Fished the season. And. What, did you hit black ice or something? Just water. Just, just water. Plane. Yeah. I was, really? And I was 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. I couldn't believe it. Oh, yeah. This is only September. Yeah. Wow. It was just a little rainstorm. I couldn't believe it. Um, so I got it fixed. Cost me $3,000 to get a new bumper. And because uh, he was saving money, yeah, I was saving yeah, money, right? So, finish the season, finish fishing, and I get in the truck and I'm driving home, and I'm five minutes leaving the cottage, and a deer comes running down the hill and face plants into the quarter panel <laughs> as fast as she could run and takes out the quarter panel, the whole front bumper, grill, headlights, everything. I think I just called him and said, drive safely, like on the way home. Yeah. Just drive yeah. safely. Wow. So I drove it home like that, took it back, and I got a bill in the mail a week later for 6500 bucks. <laughs> of course, I didn't take the insurance, you know? So yeah, I didn't save any money. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. But you caught a lot of big fish. Fishing was great. Yeah, fishing was really good. I remember, yeah. I mean... I mean, obviously, I was going to go up just with you for a, a while, but then Tiny even came in. He's like, hey, come up with us. You should have gone. I should have gone. And then I didn't go. And then the next day or whatever, first day after, he's like texting me pictures of all the big they Volkswagens caught, you guys were are pulling out of the water. Really big fish when he was there. Yeah. Yeah. Like 11, 1200 pound fish. Really big fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I'm allowed back in the country yet or not. So has you're it, not allowed in Canada anymore. Has it been 10 years? I think it's been. You're banned? It's been, yeah, it's been over 10 years. 10 now. years, you're good. Banned from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got a question here from your sister. Okay. I just texted her. And did we talk about this before yet? He was, ask Andy how he caught his first Pompano. She said that the last we time. We did, I right? That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. Right, I'm gonna tell a better her. question. How come he didn't show up to Christmas dinner? <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> just he was in Hawaii. Now she I said know. that. Late. She asked that question last time. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna say, Andy says you asked that before. That's funny. She's losing you it. Gentlemen, just let me know when you need something. Yeah, we need something. What do you need? You ready? Sure. Why not? All right, so I texted her back and I said, Andy says that you already asked that question. So um, Casey Hunt wants to know, up sea or down sea, calm or rough? (laughs) If I have my choice. If I have my choice. I guess so. uh, Yeah, down sea and calm. Down sea and calm. Um, I don't know. So the, the way that I've always like to to troll was uh cross current Mm -hmm. which isn't always that comfortable Uh, i think lures look better down sea than up sea because you're not ripping them through the wave right um and then calm of course everything looks great when it's calm and you don't get beat up either i've had enough days in rough water yeah i could care less if i ever do it again but unfortunately a fish like to bite when it's rough so it's funny how that works yeah so I was always taught, you know, say you have a, say you have a depth contour from shallow to deep. I was always taught to fish onto the land and back, you know, mm-hmm. into the shallow and back. If you have that option, you don't always have that option. You might be too far offshore. Uh, so then it comes to his question down sea or up sea. Right. You know, unfortunately, there's a time where you're going to have to go up sea. But we all prefer going down sea. Everything right. it just looks so much better. All right. And you may have to adjust your speed too, because if you're you're going up sea, you might be fighting wind or current, and you might have to go a little faster. And then down sea, you're going to speed up, so you might have to pull it back a touch to to keep everything looking right. Mm-hmm. So. And you're going to adjust your lures accordingly for that, right? All the time, adjust yeah. adjusting lures. You have a windy side and a calm side. If the wind's blowing to your side. 
whichever side it's hitting, right. you may have to bring those lures down a little bit because the chop, whereas the other side is going to be a little calmer and you can go up with them higher. So that's the thing. Like guys that are very good at lure fishing will constantly adjust, you know, to the conditions that are there. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you don't have to, but it makes a difference to make well, everything I mean, look I think, better. Yeah. I think, you know, you got to work with what you're, the hand Absolutely. you're dealt, right? It's not just set it and forget it, throw them in the water and troll around. That's not the way it works. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's just like bait fishing where you have to keep working all the time mm-hmm. to be good at it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, it makes total sense, you mm-hmm. know, that you'd have to adjust the condition yeah, or, absolutely. You know, at, at every aspect. I mean, yeah. You know, all right, Casey. So there's your answer. Um, you know, did you see, um, this next question Thank comes you. from Catherine Skip Dana, but I have to add in here about the surreal boat that they just took that boat out. I talked to Mark Rapetsky today on the phone, mm-hmm. uh, who's part of the Surreal team. And uh, they actually had a pretty good day. They're a pretty good two days of their tournament. Um, Were they fishing the Silver Sailfish Derby? Yeah, they fished the Silver Sailfish Derby. And that was the the first time they had fished the boat. Right. Like it was like, like they had just got it off the yard with all the things yeah. and still not everything was technically done that yeah. they wanted to get done. And uh, so they were like learning the boat like as they go. Sure. And um, they, he said for a 92, he said that boat was pretty maneuverable. Yeah. It moved, out, moved around pretty good. Mm-hmm. So and they, had a, they had a pretty good, I think it went five for five on the first day. That's good. Yeah. Because the fishing wasn't that great. Fishing wasn't that great. Yeah. I, and I guess what one boat, it was a priceless, I think. Sat down on them. Yeah, they had like 12. Bite, like, yeah. But that was like the only boat that really yeah. fished like that. That's and, good though. Yeah, and then um, but yeah. So and they they said they love the boat. So how could you not, right? Ninety yeah. ninety two foot of it's a big old fun, big right? old boat. Yeah, sure is. Skip wants to know what your all time favorite lure is though. All time favorite. Mm. I say it all the time. If I had to use one, it would be the blaster that we make, mm-hmm. just because it you can pull it in anything from yeah from flat calm to 20 foot C. Yeah. It's, it's just one of my favorites. If All I right. Had what's, one. what's your, you cut up any of your granders on a blaster? Nope. So no, no right? No. What have you catch, cut? What, like all, all so your granders? So there's been on? eight, eight granders caught and they've been on eight different lures. Eight granders on eight different lures? You can believe that. Yeah. Wow. That's so crazy. do you remember where they're all caught? Yeah. 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 All right, so you got one. On this note, Big J wants to know, and I'm with your sickest bite, when and where. <laughs> your and sickest so, bite, when and where. memorable spread you put out. So this is probably going to gear into what we're talking about right now. So there's been, let's see, first grander was caught in Mozambique mm-hmm. on a Kaivi lure. Um, second one was in the Azores. Okay. On a large Argus. Third one was Ascension Island on a 13. Ascension? On a wow. Thir- it was a 1305, 1305 pound fish. So still the ladies all tackle record. Wow. Um, one in Hawaii mm-hmm. on a sumo, which is a teaser. Right. But the guy put a hook in it. It was, was, was actually a kid from here that was working on a boat there in Oahu. Was that in Kona? No, oh, that was in Oahu. Oahu. Yeah. yeah, so that's what for. Um, one in, another one in the Azores on a large plunger, 1,075. Mm-hmm. Uh, a black marlin on the reef in Australia on a medium pipe bomb. A, in cans? Yep. I'm trying to think. I'm going to lose it now. Madeira? Nothing? We caught a couple in Madeira that that were over, but didn't weigh them. I'm trying to think. There's a couple more. They're not coming to me now. Hillsborough Inlet? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I can't remember now. But it's eight different lures. How many did you just count? Six? Six, I think. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's see if we can remember the, the Yeah, I will. The whole, I'll try to remember. Over. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few other guys that that have that many or more, but it's still kind of cool to to get. It's impressive for them too to get that phone call, you know. Yeah. Say that we caught a thousand pounder on one of your lures. And 
That's yeah, neat. Yeah. That is pretty cool. That is. It is. Yeah. What was Big J's question? <laughs> when and where was your best bite, biggest spread, nicest spread? Best bite. I still think the sickest bite. Sickest bite. Okay. It sounds like Big J. I think the best blue marlin bite I've ever seen was in the 97 BBC mm. when my friend Josh Brown was still alive with us. And it was a 789 pound fish. And I remember it was rough. We just changed the baits out and nobody saw the bite but me. And we were going down sea and in like an eight foot sea. And the fish came completely out of the water like a kingfish and landed on the bait. Really? Yeah. And I started clearing the rods and the captain Jack's like, what are you doing? Let's just wait and see what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't even stop. I just kept clearing. And then, knew it right and then the fish came up tailing down sea already hooked. And when he saw it, he was just like, everybody start clearing. And we had an epic battle with the fish. You know, it was only an hour and a half, mm-hmm. but it was super rough. The boat almost sank. I had to go in the Why end. Why the boat almost sank? Well, the bilge pump stopped working and we were taking oh, so no. much water and the high water alarm went off, so I went in the engine room, and it was almost up to my knees. So I turned the crash pumps on, so the engines pumped the water out, and we got that situated. Got the fish on the leader. It was really tough, mm-hmm. and finally gaffed the fish. And as soon as we gaffed the fish, this giant bull shark comes behind the boat, and he's he's coming. I mean, he's right. going to try to eat this fish or take a bite out of it. So luckily, we always had several guys on the boat mm-hmm. and i just put the meat hook in its eye and everybody grabbed a piece of rope and when it came in the boat the shark was right there yeah yeah but that that was probably the best blue marlin bite i've ever seen just because it was so big you know? man who was it that was just reading something on facebook i don't think it was bo jennings um but it was someone that was talking about Oh, you know what? I think it was Brian Tony. Okay. It was talking about um the art of everyone's releasing Marlin mm-hmm. now and no one's really boating them yeah. much anymore. And you guys were both kind of commenting like that is like a lost art. It is. One hundred percent. Actually Brian Tony was running the boat that caught the the uh the sumo one? No, that caught the fish in Ascension Island. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, take me through that a little Thir- bit. The like, thirteen oh five. Like, I want to hear it in your words. Like, what's the like the lost art a- aspect of it? So, and, and take me through the steps that are missed from release to boating. What's happened is most of these tournaments have gone to release format. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the younger guys, unless they go to Australia or somewhere that takes a fish, maybe Hawaii, they never get to see that. Yeah. So uh, their idea of catching a blue marlin is, you know. The biggest rod on the boat's a 50 with a 250-pound leader, 300-pound leader, and they grab the leader and the hook straightens out, and the, or they tag the fish and they let it go. Right. So that's such a small part of actually catching the fish. You know, I call it trick fishing. Mm-hmm. You're release fishing. You're just backing down on the fish or chasing the fish forward, whatever, and you grab the leader. It's super fun. Right. It's a, it's a really cool thing, you know, but to put a fish in the boat's a whole different deal yeah that's more of the hunt you know because now you're you're fishing heavier leader maybe a stronger hook uh and you have to gaff the fish and get it in the boat Mm -hmm. and so many people just don't understand that dynamic you know you have a great crew that works well together you know one guy's a leader guy the other guy's the gaff guy they can switch on and off um if it if it's going to go wrong, it's going to happen at the side of the boat. Right. That's where it's going to go wrong. Yep. You know, you think you've caught this big fish, and then you stick the gaff in it, and it decides that it doesn't want to be there anymore. And you better have your <laughs> shit. You better be in the better position for that together to run. Because yeah. things need to happen very fast, and you need to get that fish under control, tied off tight as you can get them to the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, with meat hook in the eye, your gaff secured to the cleats. I've seen it where the fish gets his head and he'll right. he'll rip those gaffs right out of himself and go away. 
and it's not a good situation for the fish or the people on the boat. So yeah, no, it's, definitely not. It's an art. You're dealing with a very, very strong animal that's pissed off, and if you don't make it happen the right way, it's going to go wrong. So, and I've never been on a boat that's really boated like a, yeah, a grander. It's a, I mean, that's got to be a whole other ball of wax. It is. I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's a grander. It's a you could get a a six hundred pound fish that's alive. That's alive green. that you caught yeah. pretty fast, and he's going to eat your lunch. Yeah, he's going to let you have it at the side of the boat, and it's dangerous. You know, someone can get hurt. You have guys getting pinched in the corner by the gaff rope. Mm-hmm. The guy on the leader can get pulled over. He can break a hand. The gaff pole swings around. It can knock someone out or kill them or break their ribs. There's a lot that could happen there. So to to get it under control and get the fish subdued as quickly as possible is the key. Yeah. And then get them in the boat. In the Bahamas, you have the issue with sharks. So now you have this thrashing fish that's bleeding. You know, a lot of guys sit there and high-five fishes in the water next to the boat. Uh-uh. We never mm-hmm. did that. We never celebrated until the door was closed and the fish was in the boat. And uh, it, it's a dying yeah, art. That's it true really about is. the sharks, man. That, that's oh. a whole other ball of wax over there. It, can, it could happen while you're fighting them. Australia, that's one of their biggest issues is fighting a black marlin for any length of time. The sharks hone in on it. And they... They were the Are ones. Are they having shark issues like we're having in Florida? I don't know, but they've always had sharks. Yeah, because there's so much life on the reef. Their sharks are always yeah. there. Um, I just, you know, I'm curious about that now that you bring that up. Like, because I know we're kind of unique with the shark issue here mm-hmm. compared to obviously in you know Costa Rica and Guatemala. It's like a non-factor, right? You know, and and a lot of other places around the world. Yeah. But you know, you bring up Australia now, and I'm like, oh man, that's another hot spot. It's kind of very similar. Mm-hmm. to what we're dealing with. I wonder if they're having like similar I issues. don't know. They were the really the the guys fishing on the reef were the first ones to start using heavy drag. Mm-hmm. Like really putting heavy drag on those fish to catch them faster because the longer they're in the water, the more opportunity the sharks have yeah. to find them. So, yeah, and that's never good. You don't want your fish being eaten by sharks all the time. All right, well, we got another what's your go-to lure question, but it's on the back end of what your favorite time of year to target marlin while fishing are local waters. From that's from That comes from Jim Ruback. Local waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically has always been uh, spring through summer when, yeah. when the dolphin are around uh, and the bonita, the big schools of bonita are around. Nice. Yeah, you know, we're going we're gonna to phone call. Let's let's patch in Mike Byatt here from Papa's Pilar Room. I think Mike might have a question for you today. Hey, you have you have Andy on there, right? I I have Andy on here. Okay, so Andy, I've got a a, a question that you know has been haunting me since I saw one of your posts a while ago. Okay, Aunt Jemima or Mrs. Butterworth, and why? <laughs> I love this. I still have my Aunt Jemima bottle. <laughs> yeah, why did they buy it coming in strong? Did they get Did they get rid of Mrs. Butterworth? Uh, but you know what? Unfortunately, they were just like <laughs> bottles with no features. Okay. Um, which you know completely creeps me out. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> what did Uncle Ben do to anybody to deserve his picture know. taken off his box? When you read the stories of these people, like you did. Yeah, you know, with uh, with Aunt Jemima, I think it's I mean, sad. I think it's sad that they that they erase history, um, and it's almost like they erased history without knowing what the history was. It was it was never an insult to anyone. If anything, it was a compliment to people the, for the, the you business know, woman that creating she was. A, creating a business and and doing well with it. So you know. Like I, couldn't the whole with, cancel, I couldn't agree with you more. The cancel I mean, culture I'm thing is crazy. I'm looking at a bottle right now. I have uh, <laughs> two bottles of the Aunt Jemima original syrup, the 12 ounce bottles, the small ones, because my wife doesn't eat syrup. Yeah. And uh, I refill them. <laughs> I do too, Mike. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I feel like my, you know, my dad, God bless his soul, his wife. She would like take a Crown Royal bottle and pour, uh, you know, CC or Lawrence <laughs> or something like that in there. But but now, you know, Pearl Milling Company, right? You know, I'll put your syrup in the bottle, but you know, I'm not gonna. No, I hear you. Tell you syrup. 
I think it's crazy. That's all. It's you crazy. Guys having a good night? Yeah. Yeah. We're it's, it's actually it's a really good vibe in here tonight. Like you know, Andy, you know, good buddy, so he comes a little early. We're hanging out, and then Carly came a little early, and and all the the boys were here on time, and we were just hanging out for a while before we even started the show. Is you know, and we're back. We moved the podcast back. Um, in the previous gallery here because we had both sides and we're bringing it back over here and we got the lights down low we're just chilling man dogs nice. are quiet. Man, dogs. i appreciate you danny everything you do for the fishing community in, in south florida and you know everyone listens to this podcast if if you know you know dan for everything that he does for the community the shirts the you know the murals the bridges but um you know a little toot toot on his horn he's also a fine artist and um has been doing coins for years for the U.S. Mint. Oh, yeah. So, that, you know, hands, uh, yeah, their entire family are artists. Um, Denny, I'm going to go out and buy some Legos tomorrow <laughs> yeah. just so I can step on one in order of your boy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know. You got those I've pictures got, of Lego City I sent you, right? I'm going to tell you that's impressive, incredible. isn't it? Kids of genius. Oh, it's, it's in, impressive. But the only thing I get to step on here with bare feet are dog bones. And it's not the same. It doesn't hurt as much. No, you don't get the satisfaction from a dog bone as you do from stepping oh, on Lego. I That's did the worst thing today. You need to step on Lego. But anyway, guys, get back to it. Just wanted to uh, right. shout out some love. Keep, uh, those, keep those Aunt Jemima bottles. You'll be able to sell them on eBay in a few years for yeah. a lot of money. You know well, what? Well, I, pref- uh, I prefer the other bottles, the ones that say Papa's on them. You know, they're pretty good, too. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, I mean, we make a fine product. You do. And, uh, you know, having you uh, pushing us doesn't hurt either, brother. So you guys, doesn't hurt you guys either. want to sponsor? But anyway, uh, I have a little one in my hand. Wait, if you guys want to like, do just a little him. pusher. Nice. Yeah, Andy's trying to put you on. He wants a. He's got a Wahoo tournament coming up. He wants to talk to you about. We're having a Wahoo tournament in November. Walkers to benefit Task Force Dagger Foundation. And see if done maybe, and done, man. Maybe if you that's, want to do something, that's you know, that's the 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 hardest part is the ask, and the easiest thing to do is say, "Get her up, let's do it." Perfect. Hey, Mike, can can you end me with with the joke you told me about how um, my what, my wife asked me to kiss her? What? <laughs> oh, that's a, that's like a colloquialism. That's one of those jokes you can only use like once in a while. Okay. But I'll leave you. I'll leave you with a riddle. Okay. Okay. If you had a nine-inch penis coming out of the middle of your forehead, how much of it could you see? <laughs> Are you going to answer the riddle? or? Well, I'm going to let you think about it just right. for another second. All right. Probably couldn't see how much. How much of it could you see? On your forehead, no? All right. I don't know. But you know what? None of it, because the balls would be in your eyes. <laughs> Carly got it right. <laughs> Carly, she, yeah, you know but what? she might have experienced that before. That's not fair. Carly, in the opposite direction, buddy. She experienced it before. Oh my god, she really is boss. Well, listen, love you guys. You guys have a great night, and uh, mm. thanks for allowing me to break up the conversation a little bit. But I agree with you too, Aunt Jemima. You got yeah. it, buddy. I mean, she had hips to die for. <laughs> Talk to you guys. Talk to you guys. All right, Mike. Love you. See you <laughs> later on. Bye. You know what's the coolest part about the coolest part about that call is that that's that's one of our sponsors coming yeah. in with that joke. That's so, great. You know, I think I'm safe saying whatever I want to say. That's great. <laughs> that's why you do podcasts. You say whatever you want. Jesus. Uh, yeah. As as my kids yeah, I, I, the joke I was trying to get him to say was because Mike's originally from Bangor, Maine, mm-hmm. and he always tells me this joke every now and then. But he hasn't had enough to drink yet, apparently, because when he does have enough to drink, he always he'll he'll tell me that joke on cue. Because I always right. ask, that's why he was laughing. He's like, no. he's basically telling me he's not drunk <laughs> enough yet to tell me the joke. He goes, he goes, uh, my wife asked me to kiss her where it stinks, so I took her up to Bangor, Maine. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's it. Whatever. Anyway, so what were we talking about again? Yes. I had a question for you too before that call. I got a question. Um, Chris Sadar says, uh, what's the one fish that you had and lost that you wish you would have a second shot at? Mm. 
out. There's only been one, I think. <laughs> All right, we're not even going to say the end of that joke. <laughs> she knows what I'm thinking. All right, good. Tell me your fish. She's about five. No. No. Are we talking fish or women? We're talking fish. Okay. All right. I mean, you're just talking about stinky stuff, so I just. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> Dear Lord. Okay, so. <laughs> you want to get back to this question? No, 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 no. So. It was actually around that same time in the Bahamas we hooked a fish that was is the, still to this day the biggest thing that I've ever seen. And, you know, you're, you're thinking it was the last day of the tournament. We're just mm -hmm. trying to make something happen. And we hooked this thing, not once, but twice. And it looked like that mechanical shark from Jaws when it came up. It was Everything was moving very slow. And it was so big that everyone on the boat just got super quiet, just hoping that we weren't going to lose it, and we lost it. But, uh, yeah, that thing will haunt me for the rest of my life. It, I couldn't tell you how big it was. And the only other one to that, we hooked a fish in Bermuda that was uh, – the only way I could explain it was twice as big as the biggest one that I've ever caught. Really? That's the only way I could explain it. In Bermuda. It, it looked like a pilot whale. Come on. It was absolutely huge. And my Costa Rican mate that was on the boat sure at the time. Sure wasn't a narwhal? No, he thought it was a pilot whale. He legitimately thought it was a pilot whale. And I was in the tower, so I can see it. It's a blue marlin. Mm -hmm. And it ate the lure, and it just stopped dead in the water and started shaking its head, which is the worst scenario. Right. And it shook the lure off. And then it came right back through the spread and looked at every lure doing 360s around it, throwing. The amazing part was when it turned and was doing a 360, how much water it was throwing off of its tail. I'm throwing water 20 feet. Mm -hmm. And then it came <clears throat> all the way on, looked at the teaser, and it swam right down the side of the boat and just kept going down sea. So I got a really good look at it, as did everyone else that was in the boat, and they just couldn't believe what they were looking at i mean the the width across the back and the length of the fish was just unbelievable you know i couldn't put a size on it the only way i could say is it was twice as big as the biggest one i've ever caught damn i wish you would have so, got that one on video oh it was a heartbreaker but there's a lot of stories like that with those really big fish right you know it's just a it's not an everyday thing that you see one and then two thousand pounder <sighs> Wow. You know, I couldn't say it was 2,000, but it, it was... Maybe 1,700 pounds, right? It could have been. Could have been that. Wow. 1,700, Then you got the record. Oh, it, just to yeah. catch that thing would, yeah. would have been incredible. And honestly, the boat I was on then, I don't think would have maneuvered well enough mm -hmm. to have done what I needed to do with it to catch that fish. Because as Carlene knows, she was on a boat that caught a giant fish in Bermuda. You run out of line very fast when a fish that size gets its shit together right and you better be doing some boat driving because it's going to be gone like that and sometimes you get lucky and they stop and then you can plane them back up but sometimes you just don't get that second chance you know you're just out of line right the fish like that goes and gets so far away from you and then goes down pop pop you don't even know where they are yeah that's the thing you have no idea where they are they could be 300 yards, 400 yards behind you or in front of you. You just have no idea. And then you start breaking line and things like that happen. So, yeah, that was a heartbreaker, but. Got that big for a reason. That's what makes you keep going back, too. So, This next question is going to segue us. I like this because it's like all questions tonight. Yeah. That's good. That's I got what, a question for you. I mean, well, we really, we really <laughs> went in like. To this saying, we're just hanging out tonight. So, mm -hmm. and I think Carlene came up with the best idea. It's like, oh, ask people for questions. Yeah. Tiny perfect. wants to know if you wear yoga pants. Ooh, <laughs> only when I do yoga. Do you really though? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this. Like, come on. <laughs> this is <laughs> hey, dude, that's pretty hardcore. No. That's awesome. So this question is going to segue us into talking about the one the one thing we actually really wanted to talk about tonight. Yeah. Um, because it's cool that everyone you know, we get the community together and a lot of your buddies are coming. Oh, actually before we ask that we have to ask um Lige Lawrence, did I pronounce that right? Who's that? L-I-G-E Lawrence. Lige. 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 <laughs> How did you put up with country for so long? That's what he asks. <laughs> so, That's the same way I put up with him for so long. All right. All right. So we, we got that uh, question in. All right. So Carl Hitch asks us, is there really a tournament for the, for the crossing to Bermuda this year? And I want to... Answer that, yeah. and then we're going to talk about the other thing. I was expecting thing. a better answer than that, man. He's Come gonna, on. He's going to have to talk to Buckwheat about that. All right. I don't know where that whole thing came from, but I had no idea there was a tournament. Yeah. I don't you know. know. I'm just asking a question, but the one tournament that I do know about. Yeah. We, don't, the we, don't, even, we don't even have a name for it yet, but so we will. So it's the Wahoo Tournament. At Walker's K, so we'll just call it that. Coming right up with names now. like Wahoo Battle or something that's going to be like military theme because. Oh, you don't. Oh, I can definitely help you. Yeah, yeah. We're right. we're doing a, a charity tournament for the Task Force Dagger Foundation, mm-hmm. which is a foundation that helps special forces, SOCOM guys, anything from physical to mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, just getting back on their feet, helping their families adjust, helping them adjust. You can look at it, it's taskforcedagger.org, mm-hmm. and it'll tell you everything you need to know about it. It's a it's a dear thing to me because my friend Alan Williams just retired this year, 28 years in the Special Forces, and he was very much involved in it. Uh, it's a it's a great thing. He's trying to help his own brothers and sisters that came back and have trouble adjusting or have needs so anything they need they're there to help them with that's what we're trying to raise this money for yeah it's such a great organization it, it is. really is it and is. i know i was talking to um jason harrington is also very good friends of those jason is a mutual friend of all of ours here and um he was really he's really trying to get them to come on the show and i know mm-hmm. you're trying to get them to come on our show we really want them to come on but they're all over the place so they're sure. very hard to pin down that's they why are. they haven't been they want to come on the show they will come on the show they we just haven't had the opportunity yet because they're all over the place right um but one of the cool things that they also do is with their diving aspect of it yes. and getting down underwater mm-hmm. and recovering old bones and old wreckage um even from like world war Two. yeah and right. they're recovering, you know, dog tags and identifying mm-hmm. whether it be through a DNA or whatever, like who these people were and are. That's right. Uh, they're finding planes underwater in like 20 feet of water near like Bikini Atoll and yep. all that stuff. Um, and it's very cool that now the family's generations are past are getting a phone call from them. Right. And saying, hey, guess what? We found your grandfather. Yeah. Like, what? No, yeah, th- these guys, cool. they really care about, you know, their, their living and fallen brothers and sisters because it, it, a lot of these guys are paraplegics that are diving you know they're making their own fin, okay. fin attachments these guys you're not stopping these guys they're going and they're giving it their all they want to give back as much as they've given right um to the guys that are coming back now and it's i never understood how hard it was for them to adjust i mean you think about 28 years yeah in the in the worst situations ever these are the the elite of the elite the most highly trained guys in the u.s military and to come back to not having that it's tough that's what they know that's their life so you know whether they're injured physically or mentally uh these guys are helping them get through whatever they need to get through helping their families get through whatever they need you know i i can share a thought on that that can only maybe speculate right this is complete conjecture on my behalf but i would think that going into a place where you actually have to do battle Mm -hmm. um where you'd have to put your mind in that moment just to be able to survive the situation psychologically Mm -hmm. right yeah and then that cannot be an easy thing to just turn the switch off and come back here no. To where you don't have to think that way because you're thinking about your life. Sure. 
and once you got one and your children yeah and, and your, all that and you your got wife one, yeah and, so you got to put your mind into a place of survival right and then to come back and not have to think that you, way you anymore. have to you keep, change your wiring i think you I, you would have to right? absolutely yeah you have to keep yourself alive so that you can keep the rest of your family alive you know that's a tough thing I, yeah to turn that off and not let it get to you and do your job and focus on your job. And then when you come back, try to turn it back on again. It must be very difficult. Yeah. And why they're doing it. Right. Especially important. Mm -hmm. You know, I can only imagine this. And I really, really believe this. And I know you do too. Mm -hmm. I know everybody in this room does right now. Yeah. And I think most of the people listening to this show believes about what I'm about to say. This world would be screwed without the United States of America. Yeah, absolutely. If we want to take criticism for police in the world or anything like that, you know, whatever, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. You can imagine this planet without yeah. the United States of America going and taking care of all these things that they take care of and keeping balance and keeping peace throughout the world. Yep. No, it'd be out of hand. It'd be out of hand. It would. And these are the guys on the ground. These are boots on the ground, as they say, and the, right. one, the ones responsible for, for managing all that. And when you talk about these guys that you're talking about and on the level of military that they are slash were, yeah. those are the guys who are doing the things you never hear about and the guys think taking care of the things that you need them to take care of without you realizing that you need them to take care of Absolutely. It. No, they're risking their lives. Yeah. You know, for their, not just for themselves and their friends, but their whole country. And other countries as well. Other countries as well. You know, it's uh, they're not there to just protect one country. They're there to, to protect the world as we know it, the civilized world as we know it. You know, they go to horrible places. They see horrible things so that a lot of us don't have to. The um, We're going to do a Wahoo tournament for them, and we're going to raise money. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's it. And we're going to get a lot of heavy hitters out there. Yep. And so if you think you're out there listening to this and you think you can hang with all that, yep. you know what I mean? And we're going to have money some, to be one. We're going to have some great things. We're going to yeah. have, you Dance know, real artwork. we're going to have artwork. We're going to have um, hunts to give away, fishing trips to give away, a lot of things that people can bid on, lures. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a bunch of lure packages and one-offs and things like that for people I'll be to doing bid a, on. I'll be doing a pretty good amount of hand-painted Papa's Pilar bottles. Yep. You know, and and I will say, adding about those hand-painted bottles, people ask me all the time. They want to buy them. Right. I don't sell them. Right. I don't. This yeah. is the only way you can get it. Sure. It, like, whether it be at, like, the Jimmy Johnson or whether it be at the Fish for Holly, you know, yeah. it, or, or one of the premier tournaments that have a benefit to it. That's right. It is literally the only way you can get a hand-painted bottle of Papa's Pilar from me. You either have to be like a family member, one of my very closest friends or something like that. You're going to get one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't sell them. You know, first of all, I can't sell liquor. I don't have a liquor license. Right. right? But regardless of that, even if I wanted to sell as a painting, you cannot buy them. This is the only way you can get one. Sure. Right. And we're going to be offering a bunch of those. Absolutely. That, That's I think it'll be great. Yeah. Um, it's a great cause. It's a great bunch of people. Yeah. And we're going to do it at Walker's Key. Mm-hmm. Carl Allen and his group. I think it's a great location. Yep. And I think it's just the right. How's it coming along there now? I think they're coming along pretty well. I'm going to check in on that here this week. Okay. Um, but we are going to limit it. We're not going to have too many boats. Okay. I want to make sure that their facilities can handle what we're trying to do there. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely the last thing you want is a. First year, you know, we'll feel it out. Yep. But it'll be good. We've already got a lot of interest in it, so. Did we make dates yet? No. Okay. It'll be probably, I'm trying to do it as close to the end of November, but not, it'll probably be after Thanksgiving, if I okay. guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think that makes more sense. I think so. Yeah. After tuna season. That, yeah. That too. Right. But yeah, I'm, I'll be done by mid-October. So that'll be great. I'm okay. looking forward to it. Well, we're going to keep everyone in the loop here. Yeah. Um, you know, Connected by Water is obviously going to be involved with that one. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'll make sure that people are, we got to create the brand and the look for it right. and all that. And we're proud to do so. Yep. And then, um, yeah, and we'll get it going. So we'll, 
Well, this is just the first conversation that we're telling people about it, and we're get, we're going to get it going. So. I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it too. Mm-hmm. Kidding me? Walkers. It's going to be great. I never know Walkers. No? Nope. Love that place. Nope. Be excited <laughs> to go. It's such a cool place. Yeah. And I see why he bought it, you know, because it's it was a place that was always in his heart from the time he was a little boy. And I remember going there when I was probably eight years old with my dad fishing mm-hmm. and just always loved that place. Had some great tournaments there. Won some tournaments there. Oh, I mean, my just, uh, what I know of Walker's is obviously the Flip, Flip Pallet. Yeah. The Walker's K Chronicles. You That's know, right. We, we both grew up watching that. Yeah. You know, it, it was like the best show on TV. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great spot. It's been a uh, fishing destination in the Bahamas for uh, years and years yeah. and years. It's always had a great reputation. Yeah. It's always been one of those spots that have eluded me. And, yeah. You know, and You'll then like it. Then it shut down and then it's very small. it's back. Yeah. You'll like it. It's a beautiful. What are you trying, are you trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. It's a beautiful place. Yep. Um. So your sister texted back. Okay. It says, Andy says you asked that before, and then she goes, oh, I thought I may have, and then she didn't give me another question, so we'll have to get on Lisa about that one. Um, I'm going to pick a winning question, right, today, mm-hmm. and who do you think the winning question is? You want to pick the winning I question? I thought you would have gave a better answer for Lige's. A little disappointed in that reaction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's trying to push your buttons. Um. I think honestly, I think that um, Chris Sedaris one about the one that second shot one because you got yeah, to tell us that that's story a good about one. that big fish. That's a good one. So, all right, Chris, you're the winner today. I don't know what you won, but you'll win something. We'll figure out. We'll give you a t-shirt. How about that? There you go. Cool. T-shirt and a lure. T-shirt and lure. oh yeah, all right, nice. All right, um, cool. Well, listen, before we go, I want to mention our do-gooder. Okay. All right. So let me bring up this text here from Corey. We are a do-gooder, our Starbright do-gooder. Obviously, our Starbright do-gooder of the week is always, um, you know, people who are recognized in the community as good stewards of their environment. They take all the plastic out of the water, and they make sure that people are knowledgeable about what they can and can do around, can and can't do around the water. I'm holding a picture here of them holding up mylar balloons that they've taken out of the water, which is our big enemy, ladies and gentlemen. Do not yeah. purchase Mylar balloons, and if you do, pop them and throw them in the garbage when you're done That's with right. them. Do not let them float away, all right? Because those will inevitably end up in a waterway. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, they will. Um, and then they got all those scraggly little, they're nice and shiny. Little, they're Things nice like and shiny. Yep. And they got all the the string that looks yeah. like you know jellyfish tentacles. And I mean, I even even out of the water, I've seen pictures of those tangled in deer's antlers. Really? Yeah, in the woods. It's horrible. Horrible thing. So and they don't go away. Mindy and Cody Gordon right there, um, up there in Merritt Island. So very you guys nice. are our do gooders of the week. So you win their bucket of Starbright fun. So thank you very much. I want to remind everybody that if you're gonna be cooking, grilling, barbecuing, just oven master stuff, you know, do it with the W sauce, please. Um and we were cooking with this all through the not the vegan shire, I don't do the vegan shire. I do, my favorite is the America's Worcestershire sauce. That is the one that I really love. So we were, all through the holidays, we were putting this on everything. So got to try it, guys. Um, and I, I really, actually, what we did on, Jim brought in Blackfin mm-hmm. fish dip. Right. For the when we did the Miami Dolphins podcast. Oh, my God, it was so good. Like, even Yanni over there is like, he, he kept, like, coming on to the podcast, like, taking it away <laughs> from us. It was, like, really, really good. So, all right. Um, and also, uh, Fedora sunglasses, we want to give a shout out, um, and you know, all the great products that they, they have over there. And I'm really impressed with their sunglasses and, you know, and they really hold up well. They see a lot of fish and, you know, and they got, they got their plan together. So please go check out Fedora sunglasses. Cool. Carly, you want to say anything? Are you done saying things? I'm just chilling. I'm just hanging out. Yeah, just chilling. Sorry, microphones. I'm just, that's right. Listen, if you're in the market for a new truck or vehicle, why don't you go check out the old Joey Cardi Crosser Dodge Jeep Ram. <laughs> a little, all right. <laughs> Carlene thinks she's funny over there. All right. And uh, if you, uh, we are drinking the Papa's Pilar, right? Yeah, we are. All night long here. 
right? And uh, we want to. We heard from Mike Myatt tonight, and uh, that is one of the great reasons why, in proof in the pudding of why we are a part of the Papas Pilar family, because they are involved, they love, and they create a great product, um, and they are into the community just like we are. So, Amen. Amen. So, you guys, good. Andy Moise. Sounds good. Thank you very Thank much, you. my friend. Pleasure as always. Yep. Appreciate it. Uh, your you ego. It's not your amigo. Always do your best. And at the end of the day, just let God do the rest. And do not ever forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, even if Carlene's making fun of me, <laughs> it doesn't matter. We are still all connected by water. Later. See ya. See ya.